Hey there, welcome to season one of Liminal Spaces podcast. My name is Debbie. Here we talk about the impact of liminal spaces in our lives, why they matter, and how we can navigate and thrive when we bump up against them. Today, I sit with Mike Saunders, who is an international keynote speaker, digital thought leader, author, and CEO of DigitLab, a leading digital consulting agency based in South Africa. In this conversation, we talk about some of Mike's personal experiences with seasons of change and uncertainty, meaningful work, people, technology, and empathy. I love Mike's ability to be incredibly wise, authentic, and humble at the same time. So as you run, drive, or nestle in the corner of your couch with a cup of coffee or tea for that matter, may this be worthy of your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. So Mike... Welcome to Liminal Spaces. I'm so glad and thankful that you've made the time to join me today. How are you doing and what is life like in South Africa these days? Yeah, thanks very much for the invite. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, we, we know each other for a long time now, so it's been quite interesting kind of following each other's story over the last few years, which has been really great. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm doing well, eh? Um, life in South Africa is really difficult and really tough. Um, but what it does is it it shows you how a resilient nation these people are, mm. and um, and it it just shows you what you're capable of at the end of the day. And you know that that whole adage, "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." Mm. Um, and I think that um, there are many people are starting to feel um, feel that, especially now that we we seem to be more along the lines of recovery from a lot of where what we've been dealing with. I think that people are starting to feel that they're coming out of the other end of this, which I think is a, is a, is a great place to be. Yeah, mm. that's, that's really great. The entire world is experiencing this atypical liminal space, you know, like usually mm. you experience a liminal space in your life or like in your own little context and rarely do you get the opportunity to be in this space with the rest of the world, literally. Um, yeah. And the pandemic has altered the way we live, like you said, and there's a lot of challenges and bad things. And I've been talking to people about that, like the difficulty and the challenges, but I was thinking about how to start off this conversation with you today. And I thought, what about the flip side? Like what in your opinion does the COVID-19 pandemic actually make possible? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really glad you asked that question. So in the sense that my, my journey has been that um, I remember sitting down about two years ago and just trying to reconsolidate all of my business interests and uh, trying to create a, a lifestyle that was supportive, but not um, but not draining, a lifestyle that was visionary and, and something that I got excited about, but that wasn't um, overtaking in a sense. Um, and uh, and I think for me, I had particularly in in so, in one of my main businesses that I'm involved in every day. I had I had a plan to kind of see this thing through, but it was going to take two to three years for us to sort of consolidate and to remove a lot of the chaos and to step back a little bit so that we could step forward in in many ways and and really to this this sort of thinking of um, 
impact versus size, um, significance versus signif- versus success. Um, you don't you don't like significant, being significant is way more important than being successful in life, and you don't need to be big and chaotic and busy to be significant. Um, and so it's this type of thinking that we've been having, and we've had plans, and I've had a lot of personal plans around this, around how to how to affect this. But the the time it took was going to take ages, um, mm. and COVID created an environment where we had no choice but to strip away the excess, and mm. um, and 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 that's been painful for it's been painful for us. It's been painful for anyone who anyone who has to who is used to something and then has to lose it, um, whether that was good or bad for them. That's pain, um, and uh, and so I think for for me. What I've what I've seen a lot of this bring to the table is an acceleration, uh, and an and an appreciation for um, for a life that is more about what we need as opposed to the excess that we filled it with, and um, and I think for me that that's been an interesting journey. Um, yeah, I know I know that like the way we talk about it in our business is that our five year strat plans have been accelerated by at least two years because the first two years was going to be to consolidate um, and to and to and to bring about that kind of more simple approach that was uh, good for us um, and uh, we saw ourselves needing two years to do that so we've we've found that it's been very painful it's been difficult to get to where we are now but it's um, it's bigger when you look at the bigger picture it, it has definitely accelerated our strategy it's accelerated um, what we appreciate and what we value Mm. Um, and it's really challenged our values to to a very uh, to the very core of who we are, and I think we rise out of this with a better understanding of who we are mm. and what we're capable of, and also not just what we're capable of, but what we hope to achieve. Yeah, so that's I think that that's probably the best answer I can give you on that front. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's great, and it's great to to hear what your reflections are because. I think we often lose sight of like the good or the potential that a liminal space or in this case, like COVID-19, whether it's, it's crisis or it's a challenging time, we can lose sight of that uh, in the face of immediate pain or change or challenges. Yeah. And I think it's really helpful to hear you reflect on and admit that it's actually quite painful and challenging, mm-hmm. but to press into those seasons or those times because it, it increases your capacity or your capability or um, mm. helps you to, to aim for something in the future even better. Mike, you are an entrepreneur. You write. You own a business. Um, you're really <laughs> smart. I really love talking with you. Tell us a little bit about how you got here. What has motivated you to be involved with these different aspects of your life? Yeah, I think in all honesty, um, if I look at where my entrepreneurship started, it started in in various different projects. As I was uh, um, as a kid growing up and into my teens and young twenties, I always had these sort of side projects. Um, I wouldn't really call them businesses, but they were projects that were happening that I would lead and that I would manage. And people often used to say to me, oh, "You'll run your own business one day." And I always said, "That's not for me. That's not what I want to do." Mm. Um, and and I ran away from that idea um, in in many. Uh, ways and I think for me it was a case of I didn't really want the responsibility that comes with it 
I didn't want to have to deal with what I've just had to deal with, you know, <laughs> over the last few months, you know. So, um, and I think that um, what ended up happening for me was about 10 years ago, I got retrenched. And um, that started a journey of unemployment. And so out of fear of being of not being able to support my family, I just started doing whatever people would pay me to do. Um, and so um, I, I ended up in, a, in the digital space because I understood social media and I'd been doing that work for people previously. It was really starting to take off 10 years ago. It was the new big thing. And it was an easy thing for me to sort of step into. And it was quite easy for me to generate business out of it. Um, and in fact, it wasn't until like sort of five years later that I ended up having to be smarter about my marketing and my sales um, uh, strategies because for a long time, work just came in, plenty of it. We had more than we could ever think about. And I think that, um, so in all honesty, my, my journey started from a motivational point of view. It started on this idea that I was fearful of not being able to provide for my family. Um, and then over time, that grew, that kind of grew. Um, I, I became very enamored by the idea of being a young, successful entrepreneur, mm. um, and and what that meant. And um, I um, I became quite enamored by the idea of being famous and and professional in the industry, and you know, well respected. Mm. Um, and that became a driving force for a long time as well. And then I remember sitting in a well, I wasn't sitting; I was standing chatting to some friends and uh, one of my mentors was uh, at a function that we were that we were at and I was just chatting to him and I was saying you know I, I don't quite understand what's what's happening but I'm finding that I'm not excited about waking up in the morning um, because what's happened is that I've built this business engine that I could only um, I could only really refer to it as I've built this beast and this beast is hungry and it's got mouths to feed and it's, it needs income and it needs, and it's got expenses and everybody's chasing. And essentially it's just, it's just a hungry beast. Mm. And every morning I'm waking up and I'm chasing down targets and I'm trying to reduce costs and I'm so, uh, and, but everything about it was just feeding this beast. And, um, and, and he said to me at that point, it says, it sounds like you have have walked a journey around what it means to be successful and um, you've built this engine, it's succeeding, it's doing it's what it needs to do, but you're realizing that life is not about success, it's about significance. So mm. life, and, and the way you defined it for me is life, is success is what you take out of the world, your ability to extract for your own gain. Mm. Um, and, and that's not a, a particularly... Um, inspiring thought in the long term for a human being. Mm. Um, and then he defined significance about what you put back in. And, um, and, and that's, that stirred me on, on, a, on a quite a big journey talking to many mentors and coaches around this idea of success versus significance mm. and what that really meant. Um, and it, 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 I ended up reading books by Bob Buford, who talks about uh, halftime and uh, getting ready for retirement and all of these things. And, and, and that sort of unpacked pieces of what it was that I was trying to get my head around. And so I think now, today, mm. um, I, I'm less enamored by fame, reputation and success 
Um, but it, it hasn't, it doesn't mean that I'm not driven. Um, I, I, I have a very particular dream for my business mm. and for my career. And, and I haven't let go of that. Mm. But I think the difference is, is that my approach is not um, about getting to the other end. It's about how I get to the other end. And that's, that's why I started writing was because it became a, a, an avenue where I could share my thoughts and my ideas. And if people were interested, they could read. But it, it helped me extend my impact and my influence beyond just my immediate surroundings. A lot of successful people or influential people talk about how, yeah. you know, they started what they were doing because they wanted to have an impact or like to change people's mm. lives. Like that's the start of their journey. And it, it's not good or bad, but I love hearing how in some ways it was what you were fearful of that drove you to start what you started and that yeah. how that evolved into what it is today. I think that yeah. that's super inspiring because a lot of people that I talk with, you're waiting for this aha moment where you now kind of get the conviction that you want to impact people or do something selfless. But also good to hear that you can start literally even from a place of fear, it, it seems. You can. And I think that for me, what I've, what I've realized is that because I've wanted those aha moments, I've always wanted to be that that entrepreneur goes, oh, I've seen the future, like a, an Elon Musk and SpaceX and PayPal and all of these things. Like, you want to, those are the guys that inspire you. Say like these guys had aha moments about what, what the future held and they mm-hmm. created businesses around it and they've, they've persevered with it and, and they've done well with it. And, and uh, you, you look at that or then you look at people who have launched some of the most unbelievably um, uh, well-managed and well-created social impact causes on the planet. And you go, she's, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And what I've realized is though, is that very often those come from very humble beginnings. Mm. Um, and, and we often look at that journey in hindsight and we go, ah, oh, they saw something there. Mm. Um, and you know, people will say to me, um, oh, you saw something. You saw that the future is digital and everything's going that way. And that's, and that's why you started your business 10 years ago. You were on the forefront and, and, and you're always reinventing yourself. And you're doing, no, I'm not. <laughs> I just did whatever I could to survive. Mm. Um, and, and I just happened to be in that environment. And, uh, and I made the most with, of the resources that I had. There's an interesting quote, which has been a huge encouragement to me, especially over the, the COVID um, experience that we're all feeling. And it's written up on my wall here. It's by Teddy Roosevelt. And it says, do what you can with what you have where you are. Mm. And, uh, and I think that that, it, it seems so simple, but actually that's what we need to do. So what is the injustice that you see at the moment? Or what is the problem that you need to solve? And so do what you can to do that. Mm. Don't, don't give your second best. Do everything that you possibly can. But all you have to do is take what you have at the moment and put that into it. Um, and then all you have to do is impact those that are around you in that case. Um, and if that becomes the model in which you... Um, which you start to build yourself from, uh, it'll grow mm. and it'll become something of impact. It'll become something of significance because the sheer theory of it is, is that I'm going to give everything I have, um, but I'm going to put, I'm going to use the resources that I have available and I'm going to use the community that I have available to make a difference. Mm. And, uh, and for me, 
when I started out, that community was my family. My resources were next to nothing. And I just hustled to make it work as best as I could. Mm. Um, and then over time, your resources grow, your community grows. And so you're able to do more with that. Mm. And I think constantly just reviewing your position um, and having a quote like this sitting in the background of your mind. Um, I don't have quotes written all over my, my office. In fact, I've got none <laughs> except for this. Yeah. Um, and it's it's on my computer screens and it's up on my wall. And it's it's just something that I've, I've just realized is, it's an important thing to bear in mind. And it's a peaceful thing to bear in mind because you're not asked to bring more than you have. Yes, yes. That's really great. A couple of things you said really stand out to me. Just that thought of maybe doing something great in life really is that simple, you know? It's that simple with what you look inside you. You go, what do I have in my hand? And how can that impact or move forward what I want to see in the world today? I love the, the thought of your motivation behind writing because you have a new book. I haven't read it, I have to say. I am, it's on my list of books to read. Um, That's okay. <laughs> but I, I saw something also that you did on Instagram, I think, a few days ago. Mm. You were talking about empathy. Um, yes. And something that fascinates me with your work is you, your work is a lot about digital, right? Like how do you yes. live in a digital age? How do you create value uh, through the digital world that mm. we live in today? But you also talk a lot about being human and empathy yes. and stuff like mm. that. So maybe share a little bit about what the book is all about, but also maybe talk a little bit about empathy. Sure. So firstly, I'm glad that that's what you pick up from my Instagram profile um, <laughs> because, um, because it's, been, it's been a journey for me, you know. So um, that success-oriented journey that I spoke about had me build a business that people wanted to buy from. Um, but I worked uh, about sort of five to seven years in. I wasn't necessarily proud of the business that I'd created because I didn't really feel that the work that I was doing was that significant. It wasn't necessarily because of the work. It was the approach in which we were taking. Mm. Okay. And, and just understanding who we were and, and being strong in who we are as well. Um, and so um, we went on a journey ourselves and, um, and took our team through it. And I went through it as well. And, and I found that what, what ended up happening through that whole process is that we realized something really important that was, that was the, the, the apex for us to kind of pin the work that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And it, became, it was so profound that I realized this is actually what I want to be doing across the board. Hmm. And I've always felt that my, my, my desire to help people and to be more around human and empathetic and my desire and my interest in technology were almost conflicting with each other. Um, mm. and, um, and so I always felt that there was a tension there that was unnecessary and, and one day I would have to pick one way or the other. So I was either going to become a psychologist or a technologist, you know, or something yeah. like that. Um, and what we realized, though, is, is that it, it's understanding that tension that actually revealed our passion. And so the, the tagline for our business is where people and technology meet. Um, and and that, that's the, the basis of, of Human Centric, my, my third book, is that what we're saying is, is we're saying that technology fails unless it means something to someone. And so if you look through all the case studies around failure in the technology space and all the case studies around success in the technology space, 
the ones that succeed are those that have added value to people's lives. Mm. The ones that fail are the ones that haven't. So even though the product was exactly the same or the model was the same, something was different about the success factor in the way in which people adopted and people adopted because they found value beyond something else. So this whole process for me created so much um, consistency and clarity about what it is that my role is in this technology game. And, as, and that is as not so much to be an advocate for people or an advocate for technology, but really to help people navigate that space where they connect. Mm. Um, and, um, and so talking to empathy is an important thing because people value empathy. And, and, but technology in its default is not an empathetic technology. Um, it's not an empathetic being. But there are ways that we can replicate empathetic styles and behavior using technology. Hmm. And a very simple thing is, is that I can be empathetic in a conversation with you on over WhatsApp. I mean, that's a very simplistic version. The conversation that we can have around this, around empathy, is, is that you can have an empathetic conversation. You can show empathy to others hmm. in, by texting each other um, and people's emotional state can be conveyed through a piece of technology. Um, and that's because people are, one, willing to share their emotional state in that environment, and yeah. secondly, to receive it from other people. And, um, and so you end up with this technologically driven empathetic environment. And I think that what we need to understand is, is that that can be applied to almost any piece of technology. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's the journey. That's, that's the, the journey that I'm on with my clients. That's the journey that we're on. Um, we've realized that our role sits in the sales and marketing space to help people build strategies to connect with their customer mm. and that it also sits within the product development space to help people better utilize their, um, and build great products that are meaningful to human beings. Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, that's, that journey for, for us has been really powerful and to sort of come to a point now where we really do feel like we're adding a significant value into people's in, into people and into business by building technologies that are useful to people. Mm, yeah. I love that thought. I think maybe you've had that, those types of conversation, but like I've had conversations where we, we talk about technology, about, you know, the internet and about social media. And we say, you know, those tools and technology in itself is the bad thing that is changing us. Um, and not really reflecting on how technology by itself is just technology and it's maybe perhaps how we use it and how we interact with it that makes it good or bad, quote unquote. Yep. Uh, and yep. so that's a really great reminder that I influence technology or I give meaning to technology um, in a way because if I'm communicating or interacting with someone over whatever platform you, you could choose, then I influence the way that, that, that technology resonates with that person. You know, like em empathy or being empathetic, mm. uh, it's, mm. it's kind of becoming a buzzword, actually. Like I, yeah. I've been hearing a lot about it, you know, from different types of people. Uh, but how would you define empathy? Empathy uh, for, for me is being able to understand the position of someone else. Mm. And, and having empathy then creates 
an incredible opportunity for you to be able to equip them or um, guide them or whatever it is that they need. But Mm. empathy is that ability to be able to place yourself into someone else's shoes and understand their position Um, from an emotive point of view, from a physical point of view, from the relationships that they have, the knowledge that they they have, etc. And I think that our journey and our technological journey here is how does technology help us understand that um, and how does technology equip us to be able to do that? So in business, one of the big things that you understand is, is that technology isn't your competitive edge anymore. Mm. Your, your, what it does, though, is it has the potential to accelerate your competitive edge. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, and understanding that and then bringing that into a personal space or an empathetic space is that now, as as business, I'm able to develop something, a product, a communication means, a an app, whatever it is, mm. that can accelerate my ability to connect with people who I have either created an empathetic environment for, mm. or I have, ex- or I have understood their position and now I want to accelerate something to help them build that out. Mm. Yeah, as I was listening to. Don Han, like the the producer mm-hmm. of, of uh, The Lion King and, and Beauty and the Beast as well. And he was talking about empathy. And I think that um, something that he said that really stood out to me and I've been reflecting on is he said, empathy is not the same as sympathy. Um, no. It's also not necessarily even agreeing with people, but it's just understanding people, like putting yourself in people's shoes and saying, can I see the world? through this person's eye or through this person's perspective so that I can understand them better. Um, and I, I love that you're talking about what are people's position? Uh, where is their standpoint and how do you understand them? I think that that's such a powerful theme. Yeah, I think empathy is, a, is, a, is, is something you act on. So like it's, what I mean is it's an action. It's not a, it's not a reaction to something. We don't... Um, suddenly feel empathetic we have to take the time to position ourselves into other people's lives mm. and, I, and, I, and that analogy of sympathy versus empathy i think is is really important because empathy sympathy is is um not all that useful um, but because i i'm looking at your your situation and i and i feel sympathetic about it in other words i feel sorry for you Mm. Um, but empathy is I understand your position and, and, and understanding that position um, allows me to be able to work you, with you through it, mm. um, whereas sympathy doesn't. Sympathy just says, oh, shame, I'm so sorry. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I remember going through a lot of personal turmoil about seven years ago, um, and I remember sitting with, with, with someone and they, they literally said to me, I cannot solve this problem for you, but I can walk this journey with you. And, and that for me, I had lots of people in my lives at the time saying, I'm so sorry this has happened to you. That sympathy thing meant nothing to me. Mm. It, it, um, it, it actually became difficult to manage because so many people were sympathetic to me that it was taking up time dealing with their sympathy. Um, and it was an emotional thing that I had to kind of relive and relive and relive. But it was those that stood with me, understood where I was, and just stood there and mm-hmm. walked that journey with me. 
whether they had the answers or not. They weren't trying to tell me how bad it was. They were just feeling it in the moment and walking it with me. And for me, that was empathy. Hmm. Those were people that, that said, I get where you're at. I understand why you feel frozen. We also feel frozen. Hmm. But the only thing we can do now is stand here with you. Those people that did very little, that said very little, but that walked with me, hmm. that were the most valuable people in my life at the time. And so yeah, empathy versus sympathy, they're very different, very different space. Yeah, so good. I'm like, oh, I want to, you know, find more people like that in my life, but also be that type of person to other people. I feel like the world will be a much better place to <laughs> to live in if we if we do more of that. Let's shift gears a little bit. I I've been having these conversations with people that are like, you know, they've lost their jobs because of this pandemic or, you know, are just realizing how really the types of lives they were leading were really not what they wanted. I'm really yearning to start from afresh, right? Start from more place of how can I give more instead of put myself in a position of taking. And and you talked a little bit about starting where you are with what you have. Mm -hmm. But if you would share some of your thoughts about practical advice or ways that you would give to someone who is like, okay, I have this space of uncertainty um, and really dip my feet into moving into the future with purpose? Like what would be some of your thoughts around that? It's difficult. Um, and, um, and it's difficult to advise in this space because I don't feel that I have a- any, any incredible words of wisdom in this space. I, I think that all I could really do is, is, is share my journey and what I've allowed myself to do. Mm. And so, um, one of the biggest things that I've had to allow myself the space to do is to grieve the process of loss. Hmm. Uh, and um, and I, look, I am in a very fortunate position that none of my family or people that I know have died from this virus, but they have all, all been heavily negatively impacted from an economic point of view. Hmm. Um, and to the point that the uncertainty that sits in my immediate circle of friends and family is mind-blowing. Um, and so I, I have had to create the space and allowance in my life to grieve mm. um, my position and, um, and the position of others where necessary. Mm. Um, and, um, and, and it's difficult because I'm not that person. I'm not a person who creates the space for me. I don't grieve easily. Um, and my fear was that if I grieved too much, I was going to become depressed and I would get dragged down. And, and these are all things I was very concerned about. But I grieved in such a way that my wife became my, my support. And um, I have a history of anxiety and depression. So um, she was keeping an eye on those things. But her point to me was so real because she's very good at this stuff. She's very good at the feeling. Um, and um, and she just said to me, given your circumstance and everything that you've had to deal with, it makes sense that you are feeling the way that you are. And and that ma- that gave me the license, in a sense, to do that grieving. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that what it's done is is that, and I've and I've had to kind of do it over and over again because new things change on an ongoing basis, and your position changes. But I think what it's done is is that. 
that grief process, as I said, I'm not big on the feelings. So, but what I feel has happened is that there's a resolution that comes through it that helps you persevere with what's coming ahead. Hmm. Um, and, um, and I think that, um, that that's been important. Um, and I think that, um, that grief, although it seems like you are so, um, being so acute and specific about a particular thing, that grief allows you the opportunity to unload a specific thing and then give you the freedom to then be able to return back to that big picture. Mm, yeah. Wow. So, so for me, that's, it's, it's, been, it's been trying to balance um, managing kind of my emotional response um, to the big picture mm. um, and, and then also just from a point of view that I, I lead a team um, and a business, um, how it kind of how to balance those two things so that I provide an environment of stability and consistency to that team. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'll, I've also found that um, the transparency of my emotion has been much easier because I've allowed myself to experience that pain. Mm. Um, I, I'm, I'm not as um, I'm not erratic. I don't have sort of these um, outbursts of anger or frustration or anything. And so I'm able to provide the stability and safety net that my team need. Mm. Uh, I think, I mean, the best people to speak to is on my team to figure <laughs> out if that's what I've been able to do, you know, but, um, but that's that my, my, my personal capacity um, has, has widened because of um the fact that I, I have forced myself, in a sense, to to allow the emotion to work through the process. Mm, mm. Oh, that's so good. I remember I was chatting with uh, another guest of mine on the show, who, who is Stina. Mm. You, you remember Stina Boucher? Yes. She talked about grief and hope being mm. something that coexists. If I, if yes. I summarize her thought, and I I think that's such a foreign thought in some ways because I had to also meditate on that and go, wow, that's such an interesting thought. But also when you think about it, it's true because the fact that we grieve doesn't mean that we can't hope and move forward. Um, but I think uh, we've always looked at grief, at least for myself, as this, you know, if you give into that, then that you could wallow in that forever and that kills all the hope or all the forward movement. So why go there? Uh, so you talking about grief now just reminded me of what Stina shared about grief and hope. And I, yeah, I think that that's really powerful. Well, um, I have three random questions that I'd like to ask you. <laughs> this is the hardest part of any of this. Yeah. If you had to work, but didn't need any money, what would you choose to do? Coach businesses. Coach businesses. Hmm. Mm. I'm tempted to ask you why. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a, um, an inherent belief that entrepreneurship is the solution to poverty. So if I could spend my time just equipping other people's businesses and helping them do more and be more, um, then, then yeah, that's what I'd love to do. It, it, it's my... I don't think I'm the type of person who would ever retire. Um, and, and I say that probably not realizing how tired I might be by that time. But, um, but, I, I, but my retirement plan, in a sense, would be to um, move into business coaching. 
when you say that, I'm like, oh, I see that in you. Uh, but also, that's I, I suppose that that's why you're partly a consultant and a speaker because you inspire mm. people. And um, yeah, my second question is, what app do you hate but use anyways? Anything to do with email. Uh, okay, cool. Everything Bye. to do with email. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, and then finally, what, in your opinion, does it mean to be human? I, I think it comes down to empathy um, because I think a lot of the other things are easily replicable. But I think our ability to understand and to feel and to um approach a situation with an understanding of another human being is probably what makes us human. Mm. Um, I don't think human beings can, can exist in isolation and still live to their, to what they were meant to be. And I think that's why depression statistics are up in lockdown statistics. And like, it makes sense because we haven't been allowed to operate the way we were designed. And I think that, we're designed in such a way to feed off of each other um, as a as a group, um, and to and and to be a part of that. So yeah, I think it's it's probably a combination of empathy and community. Wow, I love that, and that's such a nice way to wrap up this chat with you. Thank you, Mike. I really love talking with you. I follow you on socials, and I I think that you have something important and unique to offer to the rest of us and. Thank you for jumping on here, making the time to chat with me. And um, I'm looking forward to the future and I'm looking forward to reading your, your book, Human Centric, as well. Uh, I think that that will be such a, a rich addition to perspective and uh, just the way to move forward. Thank you for the invite to this. This has such, been such a cool podcast to be a part of. So thanks a lot. I love every part of this conversation. Now we'll be thinking about Mike's thoughts on empathy, grief, and especially his unique story of starting from a place of fear and how that evolved to something meaningful. You can find more about Mike on his website, mikesaunders.com, or follow him on socials. You can also find his latest book, Human Centric, on Amazon and other bookstores. I hope you can take some time to reflect on a question, a phrase or thought that resonates with you and is applicable in your own life. Be encompassed by love and always remember that even though none of us can control everything that happens to us, we can all control how we respond.